Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. Oh, here it is. The child. WrestleMania! Hulkamania is running wild. My God, what a Look, man, look, man, I, I want to get right into it. Uh, this is, you know, uh, Tackle Drop Down Leaf Frog TDL for short. Marvin, mm-hmm. Krishna, huge wrestling yep. fans. A uh, little jaded, but we still love the idea of what pro wrestling is and can be. Absolutely. Uh, Krishna, you, you have just experienced your first empty arena, WrestleMania. I want you to tell me exactly what you expected. In like three sentences or less, uh, before even going into results, what did you have expectation-wise going in? I, I didn't really have an expectation because this is something that we've never seen before on something more than just a match. You know, I've never seen an empty arena for an entire show since Chris Benoit passed away and they emptied out the arena. So this was definitely, you know, I wasn't expecting anything and I was generous. I was satisfied. Um, I hear you, uh, but I, I do also think that it's one of those situations where we didn't have a choice. Uh, it's either you liked it or you were stuck in the house anyway. Uh, but um, I, 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 I didn't know what to expect going in, so I had low expectations. Uh, I don't think they needed Stephanie McMahon to help set up, you know, that it's still WrestleMania. We all know it's still WrestleMania. Absolutely. You know, um, and then, you know, one word to describe the intro, the intro video. I don't think I saw the intro video, unfortunately. You didn't see any of that no, epic of the Caribbean nonsense? No, I came in in like five minutes into Mania, so I didn't get to watch exactly from the beginning. Because honestly, for a Saturday night, I wasn't entirely sure what was going on. Plus, I had to work, so I didn't get off until exactly at seven. Did, you didn't see it on night two? Night two, I don't think I was paying attention to it on night two, to be honest. <laughs> he was like, I, even though I missed it, I'm not paying attention to it. It was, I mean, uh, it, it was pretty cool uh, the way they did it, where they kind of had, uh, you know, an, uh, an intro beginning with all the epic looking stuff, and then they had to retake take it back to the beginning and show you how we got here and how epic it's going to be, and there's a lot of mismatched stuff. You get a chance, check it out just for funsies. Absolutely. It's whatever it didn't. It, 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 it's the last thing you, that made it feel like a real WrestleMania to me. Uh, and then it opens up night one. Uh, Kabuki Warriors, Bliss Cross, Applesauce. Uh, were you were you expecting it or were you slightly underwhelmed of the empty arena, even though you knew it was coming? Even though I knew it was coming, the lack of crowd noise was the one thing that kept throwing me off. But I will give... I will give the women in this match credit. They did what they could in order to get some sound in that room and get that atmosphere going, but it still threw me off in the beginning. Night one was very hard to get through, not going to lie. I think that's what the main difference between night one and night two was. Night two, you kind of knew what you were expecting to get in, so it moved a lot quicker to me, personally. Mm-hmm. Night uh, one, for me, it, we used crowd noise on my laptop to try to simulate something, and it kind of worked. But night two, we didn't even need it because we had already gotten used to this old no crowd thing. Pretty much, and and, and that definitely came in through in the clutch, at least for night one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of Gronk, Gronk as the host? So I'm not a football guy. I don't watch football. I know there's a lot of hate on this guy for being a uh, part of the Patriots. I, I 
don't really have an opinion on him. He did, I guess, what he was supposed to be there for. Um, so, you know, it was whatever for me. It wasn't a big part of the show, um, but at least it was entertaining. It gives Mojo something to do because he's not the best wrestler in the world, but the guy is least enthusiastic and needs to be on screen somehow, in my opinion. So that worked out. Mojo didn't know what's going on, so we don't know what's going on, so it's really hard to care about him. Mm-hmm. Grok, I mean, I, I'm, I'm surprised, uh, even over the course of this entire thing, how little they had him do being that you had nothing but time on your hands since there's no crowd there you could have shot a hundred vignettes with them doing whatever you wanted to do at that point but eh, it's whatever to me oh my god um, why didn't i think of this last week we should have just had filmed him in each one of the seats in the crowd and just had him be the crowd the entire night they could have done it they could have they <laughs> I, I, i'm still shocked they didn't have him sitting out there and why they had him in the crow's nest for whatever reason uh but eh, it's whatever um, the Kabuki Warriors, Chris Briscoe's Applesauce, solid match. Mm-hmm. Definitely, uh, definitely, maybe the end of the first hour of Raw to me. Um, maybe because of the fact that it was the first match out besides the pre show, it didn't feel big because this WrestleMania was something you had to get used to. It wasn't, it didn't start feeling like WrestleMania till towards the end of night one and probably into night two to me personally. Oh no, I'm right there with you. It was it was a very weird to follow night one, especially it didn't have that mania feel because it's on a Saturday. We're for ever we're used to Sundays, so that's one thing. But it, it it just the lack of crowd, the night, and the match itself. I wouldn't expect this to be your WrestleMania opener match. Like I would expect this to be more down into the middle of the card for the night. So I was actually surprised that it opened them night but i'm not mad at it by any means because it was still a good match i would have rather kabuki warriors win it but again not mad at it one bit i thought that you would make up for the not having the crowd there by starting the night off with a match that has some heat to it something that had a solid storyline going in um i didn't even know this was a match on the car till till right before the pre-show started so i mean uh as whatever um Next, we'll move on to Corbin and Elias. Do you really want to go deep into this match at all? Um, I don't remember a single thing about this match. I think I was talking to you guys on Facebook at that point, and I think I stepped away to get something to eat on this match. I really don't care for Corbin. Um, I think he's a decent wrestler, don't get me wrong, but I just character-wise, since he became King Corbin and the whole general manager thing, it totally threw me off on him. And Elias is Elias. This is just a filler match, in my opinion. And it's crazy that you would put a filler match on a card where, and I know they didn't have access to the full roster, and I know they had kind of built this paper, this match up a couple weeks beforehand with Corbin throwing Elias off the top of the crow's nest when they kind of, experimented with the whole multi-angle shoot thing Mm -hmm. uh but but it didn't it didn't it didn't feel it felt like it might have been on the pre-show just because of in theory how how decent the the uh drew gulak and cesaro match was on the Mm pre-show i'd like to have watched these switch places to be legitimately honest with you oh absolutely i think elias and corbin was like an eight or nine minute match and cesaro and gulak only had like what five minutes so I definitely think the time and the placement should have been switching would have been better because you look at the rest of the card that night, there's no other filler matches. It was really only Elias and Corbin, in my opinion, that got that title of filler. Every other match had a reason for being, if nothing else. Um, we'll move on to the next match. Um, next match is a little bit uh, not controversial, but either you liked it or you hated it. Uh, Shayna Baszler, Becky Lynch, Raw Women's Championship. Uh, which side of the fence are you on, Hunt? 
I I'm a huge Shayna Baszler fan, but yet the match still I, I like the match and it did everything I wanted it to do for Becky and for Shayna because Becky she's had that year long journey from being Becky two belts the man and all that and then you have Baszler making her name showing she's that vicious woman in the field who's gonna just take on everybody and that spot when she was banging Becky's head against the announce table Ooh, I love that. No, it, it was it was it was decent. I just I'm not a fan of this match. I don't think it had enough time. I think they should have just nixed mm. the Corbin and Elias match and put that they put that time on the Becky Shayna match only because I didn't. The what you want to see is you want to see Becky in peril. You want to see Shayna just beating the life out of out of Becky and Becky holding on. I want to see five or six different spots where there's a submission put in and you think that you know she's gonna choke Becky out. Becky does that dramatic grab the rope or something and. Shayna rolls back in, catches it again, and holds it in the middle of the ring or something like that. Mm-hmm. I was fine with I was fine with the finish, but I think Becky was not in peril long enough for me to have been excited about the roll ups, like stealing the win, because it felt more like a, a cheap short finish than you know her surviving barely with her life intact. If it was a longer match, then I definitely they would have benefited from that absolutely because that ending was a Bret Hart ending. That, in fact, this is a Bret Hart versus um, Roddy Piper ending from WrestleMania 7. But that, that's like that Bret Hart type ending where it needs to be a longer match so you get more invested and then that win comes out of nowhere. So the that only downside to that match, you're absolutely right, was the lack of time, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I think Shayna would have benefited from the longer match, being able to show mm-hmm. a little bit more about how she's a, a, a no pun, a bloodthirsty monster. You know, taking it to to Becky, but I mean, it is what it is. It'll take it. It it wasn't bad for what it was. I just thought it was way too short, especially for a show this epic and a build the way they did from the first night Shayna appeared till now. Um, uh, next we'll go to uh, a surprise match of the evening: uh, Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan for the Intercontinental Championship. Fun match. Uh, you know, Sami got to do a lot more character work, uh, not as his usual athletic technical self, more of you know the the whiny you know chicken shit heel um what do you think Sami Zayn uh Sami Zayn is the embodiment of what we all look like being quarantined with the coronavirus because that man uh-huh. looks shady and homeless as hell other than that <laughs> everything uh-huh. about this match I loved I love Cesaro's involvement I loved uh, the match work itself um Nakamura was on my screen and I'm a big Nakamura mark so I was okay with that I I don't really other than the fact that I think the match could have gone longer, which is kind of a theme for a couple of matches. I think some matches should have gone longer and definitely some could have gone shorter, but still I was happy with this match. It, it was definitely solid. I like to see where this continues. I like Sami Zayn as Intercontinental Champion um, just because, you know, it, it's going to be a thing when he finally loses it and maybe the Artist Collective finally implodes. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um Next, um, I think the the side I, I pers- okay. Besides, obviously the the match that had a movie style budget, I want to believe that I think the latter match personally was my sentimental favorite of the show. Um, you know, uh, Jey Uso, I'm sorry, Jey Uso, John Morrison, Kofi Kingston, uh, triple threat ladder match for the tag team title, something different. Um, I've heard a lot of people talk about the fact that it's a little bit easier to do those ladder spots and different high spots and stuff that's going to hurt when you have the adrenaline of the crowd. The idea that these guys did it in theory to total silence and just hoping that it resonated through the television says a lot about these guys as performers Mm -hmm. to me. 
Um, I loved everything that was done. Morrison got to show off that he still has it. Uh, you know, Kofi still does what Kofi does. And it got it got the you got to see Jay as a singles competitor and and the smack he was talking Jimmy. was top of the notch. That, I'm sorry, I apologize. Jimmy mm-hmm. should be mic'd up every match that he's mm-hmm. in just because the way he just uses his his verbal skills to say the least. What'd you think? This match was kind of a blur to me. I need to go back and watch it because I am a part of that group who felt that doing this match, putting all that no all the pain on their body for no crowd there. I was a little bit against the match, but throughout the match, they turned me because these are three guys busting their asses for my entertainment. And the match itself, I still, I, I gotta go back and do a more thorough watch through, but I still think the match was fantastic, and the, the some of the spots were great. Do you think that this this was a match that turned public opinion from, oh man, why are they doing this to, you know what? They're doing for our entertainment. We should appreciate it. This is trying times we're in, and look what they're doing. And, I, and you're exactly right. I think that a lot of people, including myself, kind of went, okay, maybe, you know, we, let's get over this whole, you know, empty arena. We're already here. Vince already made a decision to do it. Let's try to enjoy this for what it is. And I think leading into the next three matches, that helped a lot having this match here. Oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, next, we got uh, the spot where – uh, Mojo Raleigh takes the 24-7 championship from our truth Our truth comes in, uh, fun and games, ha-ha, laughy-laughy, uh, gets a, a forearm to the chest shot from Gronk, which I, I, I really wish they had done something different there. Uh, Mojo Raleigh takes the pin and bounces with the title. Um, I mean, is there anything else really more to say about that? One, our truth is on my TV, so I was happy with that. Um, and two, I thought that Mojo should have thrown – Gronk over the crow's nest, then got the pin, and then ran off. Well, he can't do that because we've already shown if you fall from the crow's nest, you're out for two weeks, well, and we needed Gronk for night two. Well, no, he could hold on. Like, he could hold on to the railing and still be there. You just see him hand it, helping on for a day of life. I'd give you that only if they would have had Gronk come in super aggressive at night two. Like, you see Mojo Riley start off as the host at night two, and then throughout the course of the night, you see Gronk finally get his, like, his serious revenge. That would have been different. I'd have I'd, I'd rode with that. <laughs> uh, next, I think, is the, the longest match of the night, in my opinion. Uh, not terrible, just long. Uh, Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. Um, you know, uh, the one man going against the black hand of Raw. Uh, the Messiah trying to shut up his biggest critic. Um, what, before I get into my theories, what what do you feel about this match? This was the match that I think, even more than the latter match, you felt the lack of a crowd. Because these are two guys who, in that match, if you had a crowd, the crowd would have been sucked in, no matter what was before and what was after. That match would have definitely, I think, stolen the show. But I'm glad that they had the false ending, because I was super upset that it was going to end in a DQ. But they, they, you know, they picked me. And I'm like, oh, okay, let me keep watching. So, uh, kudos to them for that one. And how do you feel about the high spot uh, off of the WrestleMania side? So, it's the same thing. It's putting your body through that pain for nobody but the entertainment of the people at home. But at the same time, it was a great-looking spot. Looking Just this, the, the wide shot of seeing um, Kevin Owens on that sign and looking down, and you see that's a very big drop down. It, it definitely, uh, it definitely helped, and it gives it gives gives them something to replay and show, and makes WrestleMania feel as big as it should feel. 
Now you got a point. Um, without that ladder match, this would have been the only real high spot of the night. That 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 WrestleMania package mm-hmm. uh, level moment. So it definitely makes a lot of sense. Uh, this one was a little bit long, in my opinion, because of the no crowd situation. I am glad that they did the restart because to have all that go on and be at WrestleMania and then to end in a DQ such as that would have been just terrible. Absolutely. Terrible. Um, I, I'm okay with this ending. I don't need to see any more Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens at this point. They can definitely move on to other guys. Absolutely. But for, but for what it was, for what it could have been, it would have been it would have been just tremendous. And from what I hear, Kevin Owens had plans to do that exact same spot, but off of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pirate ship if they'd actually played the arena. Oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> I say the least. Um, to uh, to move it on, um, in in honor of this next match, uh, um, don't give me a sentence. I want three words. I want you to describe Braun Strowman versus Goldberg for the Universal Championship in three words. Thank fucking God. Uh, I see you that, and I raise you. Are you serious? <laughs> uh, I. Here's why, here's why I say thank God, because I I don't care for Goldberg. Yes, I was a fan of his back in the WCW days, but I don't think he needs to be on my TV in title matches multiple years. I was there for um, Goldberg Brock in Orlando. I almost fell asleep. Was I in Orlando? That was in Orlando. Yeah, that was in Orlando. So for oh, this no. one, I was I wasn't caring anyway, but. Because Braun, I knew Braun was going to be in it. I'm like, okay, maybe they'll actually give him the title and I'll be happy. And they did. Braun is champion. I might not be happy why he's champion. He's champion. And now he can go forward with it. So I'm cool with it. Uh, I, I say, are you serious? I didn't need Goldberg to lose it because it had because I didn't really want Braun Strowman. I don't like the idea of Braun Strowman being in there. Mm-hmm. I know they had to make a last minute decision, and you don't want to see Goldberg either squash a small guy or lose to a small guy. Mm-hmm. But I, but I didn't need Braun Strowman. There's way too many other guys I think could have could have benefited more from that opportunity. Cool. I don't think it helps Braun that he beat Goldberg because of the fact that he's already beaten like six men in one match mm-hmm. and won the biggest Royal Rumble ever. So I mean, I don't think it really benefits. Plus, you kind of wanted Braun to win the title when he has build up to it so that the crowd is behind him. This one was out of nowhere and then to top it off to an empty crowd. Oh, I mean, uh, WWE definitely should have promoted this match. Like, they waited till like, the day before, two days before. I remember uh, reading something that Triple H had said they were going to do it in a very creative way or something like that, and it ended up they just announced it on SmackDown in between segments. So definitely, you know, a build-up to this would have been better, especially some segments like a a little pre-taped, like, screen-screen uh, interview thing. I don't even think either one of them said anything on social media about it, to be legitimately honest with you. It came it came out of the blue. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. The physical match itself, the actual the actual complete, like, the, the way they performed it was exactly how I would expect a Braun Strowman-Goldberg match to go. Mm-hmm. But... But the fact that there was no buildup and you put the title on Braun to an empty arena to fans who had no idea this match was happening 48 hours prior, it just took all the air out of everything compared to the other title change that we would see later on in night two. Or at least with with the buildup of that, even though it wasn't empty arena, it was still a moment. 
this one just felt like, oh, well, we got to get the belt off Goldberg no matter what. It was going to go to Roman Reigns. I guess it'll go to whoever's going to face him now. Oh, Braun Strowman's big. Put him in there. And, 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 but, and that's why I'm like, I, I had to get over the fact that how it happened. The fact is it happened. Braun is finally a champion. And hopefully from this point, he's just a dominant force until he gets back to Brock. Because I can't believe I'm saying this, but I want Braun versus Brock again. You, you be the only one. Uh, I am okay. I'd much rather see him face a smaller guy. Uh, I'm 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 a fan of this person, but I'm not a mega fan of this person. But I would much rather see it. Where's going to sound a Jeff Hardy versus Braun Strowman program for the Universal Championship? If Braun turns heel during his championship run, then absolutely. But as long as he's face, the only dominant force he can go up against is Brock. I have to take a look at the roster again, but maybe you're probably right. Um, and, and the complete night one, um, obviously, this is the match of that night. I have to – I mean, this is this is it. Nobody – I saw something like this maybe occurring, but I was more surprised of the execution of it and how well it was done. Uh, I had a couple flaws in there that, I, that I'll point out, but I'll let you go first. Describe to me your feelings. Um during and after the Boneyard match between AJ Styles and The Undertaker. So watching this match, it shows me that when you have two people who give a damn about their characters, their performance, and putting and entertaining the fans, you can get something magical. And the Boneyard match was exactly what I wanted it to. I love... I am part of the few people who actually love Biker Taker. I love that gimmick when I was a kid because, you know, I was into rock. Too, and- I've, I've, I've always loved Badass Taker more than I've liked Dead Man Taker, just so we know we're, we're on the same page. I, I have different versions of Dead Man that I like a little bit more, but Biker Taker was always my favorite because he was always the trash talker. And I love when guys trash talk each other. Like, I wish I could understand what some of the Japanese guys say in New Japan because I'm sure they're trash talking each other all the time, especially Naito. So for Biker Taker, hearing him talk shit to AJ, hearing AJ talk shit to him, it was, in my opinion, perfect. Um, I don't really have many gripes with this match, to be honest. I I thought everything was done really good. But what do you think? Uh, I'll say that I love Biker Taker um, just because uh, I I was I was into it in the in the early '90s, but like when Taker became the Dead Man, that's when I was like really entrenched deep into like my love of professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's my favorite Taker. I've always loved him talking smack in uh, every step of the way. Um, and the only Dead Man Taker I really liked was the Teddy the Teddy Long. And you're gonna go one on one with the Undertaker. <laughs> that, that's 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 my Dead Man Taker right there. Um, we're talking SmackDown 2005 huh? to like 2008. Um, but no, the 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 quality they put into the match, I think it worked out. The fact that they got licensed music for it mm-hmm. shocked me to no end. Um, I wish number one they had a they had a given the druids a reason besides just bringing AJ there and popping out of the sheds, um, maybe some kind of identity. Let me know. Let me know that they're, you know, they're jobbers from NXT something. Um, uh, number two, um, 
I know because of the situations of why we're having a crowdless WrestleMania are probably the same reason why there was not a Kane appearance, but I feel like that was a huge missed opportunity. And I feel like having Kane in there, even for a moment, would have done nothing but add to this match as a whole. Um, uh, besides that, I didn't need so much supernatural stuff. Like, I like like Taker coming out of the, the grave and appearing behind AJ Styles, fine, you're going to get one of those, you know, it's going to happen. But I didn't need him to pop up behind AJ Styles and be back at 100% health, like if the first half of the match meant nothing. No, I was okay with that. Uh, I, I was okay with that. That's uh, the supernatural thing for Baker. I've dealt with my entire life. The lightning strikes, the fire. It, it's old school. Nothing, nothing bad about it, in my opinion. No, I got you. Um, I like the little trash talk. What's my wife's name, AJ? Oh, God. What's my wife's name? And, and the best moment when he threw when he threw it on top of the car, and he's like, "Oh, you want some more? That's good. I got a lot of more." Was the best moment in the history of professional wrestling in the last year for me, just to, just a smack taker was talking because he was just saying all kinds of regular stuff. And he has that, that weird Texas accent that just makes it that much better. Is that the part where he sat um, down on the card next to AJ and just kind of had like a, a little breather moment? Yep. And he was just talking the most mess. Um, but besides that, I mean, I mean, obviously the club was going to get involved. Uh, I was fine with that. Um, you know, taker selling, uh, I'll say the, in this show, I noticed this. In these two nights, the the longer you've been in the WWE, the more you sold your ass off uh-huh. during your matches. Because because I didn't see anybody selling more than than Undertaker mm-hmm. and Edge. Mm-hmm. And Edge, Edge, every even before the match started, every breath Edge took felt like his last. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so besides a little bit of supernatural stuff and missing out on Kane, I, I loved the Boneyard match. I was petitioning so hard to get some kind of cinematic stuff done like this. It seemed to only make sense. You have a supernatural character. Um, you have a, a, a setting somewhere different. And you have nothing but time to film something like this production-wise. So I was 100% okay with it. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, um, nothing, there's nothing I would change about that match. I mean, yeah, maybe, you know, in hindsight could have gone back. But watching it as a fan at that time, there was nothing I would have changed about it. I was thoroughly in uh, entertained. hundred percent. I was probably fine with it. Uh, um, and I think they should have been doing matches for take like this, at least for the last three or four years. Oh, um, I think that, I think that it was a missed opportunity looking back on it. Now that they didn't do this for undertaker versus Bray Wyatt oh, yeah. at WrestleMania 31. Mm-hmm. Um, and if just by coincidence, the undertaker doesn't stop and it leads into next year and it is the fiend versus the undertaker. Or even, let's say, Finn Balor, the Demon versus The Undertaker. They need to shoot it just like this. I never need to see The Undertaker in a WWE ring ever again having a full-fledged match in front of a live crowd. 100% agree with that. That, that, that would be uh, uh, So, night two? Night two. Uh, night two, um, um, skipping the pre-show, starts off uh, Flair and, and Rhea Ripley. Um, obviously, Flair wins titles every other week. Rhea Ripley has sparked up the charts in NXT and had a lot of main roster success over that whole Survivor Series invasion angle. Um, you know, they did the backstory, Rhea Ripley being called a mini Flair. Uh, Flair wanting to prove she could be NXT champion once again. What do you think of this match? I don't think it was booked right. Um, and not, I'm not talking about the ending. Even though I would have rathered Rhea Ripley win, I, I'm okay with Charlotte being 
the champion because it's going to lead into maybe a um, a roster shakeup, and then you know she's the queen of NXT and has new people going after her. But I felt that one having Rhea Ripley lose by submission was the wrong call, and lose by submission in a uh, how do I explain this? I just don't feel there was enough in this match to make me feel that she should really have tapped out. I, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I like the idea of the Raza shakeup, but from watching NXT the last couple months, they sacrificed so much to make Shayna Baszler look like a beast mm-hmm. that a lot of the NXT roster, women's-wise, does not look like they stack up to Charlotte one way or the other. And I, I'd have to see who they end up building up, especially since they brought uh, Bianca Belair to Raw uh, the night after this one. Uh, so, I mean, we'll have to see. I, I like how aggressive the match was. It was one of those matches that didn't – it didn't hurt not having a crowd there, mm-hmm. but that might have also been because by this time we were ready for it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree um, with that. that. It didn't – it didn't uh, – it, it wasn't hindered by no crowd whatsoever. And and this is not a dig on her having nude photo leaked on the internet, but without a crowd, Charlotte Flair sounds like a porn star when she wrestles. Yeah, I said <laughs> She she always sounds like that, even with the crowd. Yeah, but you could really hear it when it's just echoing off the walls of the of, of the friggin' performance center, friggin' soundstage. Okay. Um, the one thing I so will say, though, good. with Charlotte being NXT champion, is all she's going to do is make the women she works with day in day out better. I will give her at least that. She is great in the ring, and oh. she can help these girls improve. So I'm okay with it. At the end of the day. Agreed. Even a win against Charlotte or over her in a tag team match for anybody in NXT will be a rub, and it'll legitimize them that much more. Exactly. So it can only do it can only do good things. And it, it and honestly, you know, maybe three or four months from now, we won't even remember Rhea Ripley taking this loss, and she'll be probably dominating on the main roster. I wouldn't be shocked if she appeared on SmackDown uh, this Friday, to be legitimately honest. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, what do you think about? Uh, Alistair Black versus the reincarnation of AJ Styles. You really dogging this man on his pants, huh? <laughs> but I think WWE missed an opportunity by having the soul of AJ Styles possess Bobby Lashley for this match. I think it would have been great. But yeah, the, the change, the, the immediate change in attire threw me off completely. <laughs> yeah, I need to leave Bobby Lashley alone. This match was what it was. I don't know what purpose it was solving except. To, I guess attempt to start driving a wedge between Lashley and and Lana, which y'all put so much time in. Y'all must let them just be married forever at this point. Much time you took away from my life to build this thing up. So uh, it was what it was. I don't have an opinion of it one way or another. I it was it, it was a filler. It was a probably one of the solid filler matches of night too. The match was seven minutes plus long, and that was about six minutes too long, in my opinion. Yeah, it was only seven minutes. It felt- felt so much longer. I, I don't, and this isn't a knock on Lashley. I think he's a great athlete, and I think they could do more character-wise with him. I don't like the whole Lana thing, but whatever. But I think anyone else in that spot, it could have been Alistair hits him with the black mask, one, two, three, match over. Because they need to, they haven't done that enough. It's like they do that with Black, and then they dial it down, and he's not the driving force he needs to be. So They need to give Alistair Black something to do rather than Beat up the mid card of the of the main roster. Or wait they for somebody to come knock on his door. God, I hated that. 
Uh, uh, anyway, um, we're talking about the the one of the few matches that that maybe people weren't excited about, but had a lot of character development build on it. Um, we're talking about Otis of Heavy Machinery versus Dolph Ziggler. Uh, we come to find out that you know uh, that Sonya Deville actually set up uh, Dolph Ziggler to bag uh, to bag Mandy and put Otis out in the cold. None of this makes any sense at all. I'm not understanding what Shane, what, 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 sorry, what Sonya is getting out of this. Doesn't make any sense at all. If she loves, if she, in theory, if she loves Mandy, why is she giving Dolph the go ahead to just pound her brains in? If she hates Otis, why set up Dolph Ziggler? What is what is Sonya getting out of this? Because she's still going to spend her time with the dude rather than focus on their women's tag team. I don't understand this storyline at all. Okay, so I was originally against this story because. I'm a fan of heavy machinery as a team. And I felt that this was just putting over Otis because he had that weird look that Vince likes to make fun of. However, I was thoroughly entertained with the match. I liked the story because it's in my eyes, it's Sonia getting Mandy to go to Dolph because she knows Dolph will fuck up. And then she'll be the one to, you know, uh, console uh, Mandy. So that, that's my idea. But this match led me to really want Dolph and Sonia as a team of just two cocky assholes constantly trying to pick up women. I'm with <laughs> it. If, if they keep them solid, there's no remote, there's no emotional attachment. Them two just, just being jerks and just going around just being terrible to people and, and keep the comedy to a minimum. I'm a hundred percent along with it. hundred percent. I get, I get real triple H in China you know, manager and I, or I'm sorry, more Shawn Michaels in China vibes from this team, and I'm with it if it runs with it. Oh yeah, like instantly, I'm already thinking of ideas of where like Dolph and her are sitting somewhere, and they see some girl walk by, and they both look, and Dolph just looks at Sonya like she doesn't like girls, and Sonya looks at him saying she will after I'm done, and walks off. It's <laughs> not yet, and that's it. I'm with it 110%. Uh, I'm not sure what the Mandy Otis thing is going to be. She'll probably be her uh, his valet for like three weeks, and then they'll forget the whole thing even happened. Exactly, I, which I hope not because I do like uh, Mandy and I do like uh, Otis, but, you know, if it ends up being nothing, then finally at least we got a WrestleMania match. I was entertained. That was all right. The kiss was nice. We haven't had a kiss on a WrestleMania that mattered in a long time, uh -huh. so I'm with it. Uh, I just, I just, I just have to see what happens, and I need, I need Sonya to tell me her reasoning at the end of the day because it really makes no sense. And you know what? And you know what, Ali, quit snitching. I don't know what you're here snitching for. <laughs> you think it? You do think it's Ali? It's the, it's the, it's the ring, and they had to put the hoodie on to cover his hair. It has no choice but to be Ali. This is not dirty stuff. This is me just being observant. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And he used to be a cop, and, and he said it. And he said when he was a cop, he used to, he used to be a snitch. Like, that was his whole thing. He's like, oh, I, instead of going to arrest people, I'm going to call their parents. So their parents bring them in. That is snitching. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad if it was Ali, to be honest. At least it's getting something to do. Exactly. Um, okay. So I know it was probably, you know, besides, obviously, the Funhouse, I know you were entrenched and, and loved uh, Edge and Orton. Uh, go ahead. So... This one, it lacked a crowd only because for Edge. I would have loved to see that Edge entrance with that crowd. It would, I think it would have been fantastic. But with that said, the match went on 30-plus minutes. I don't think they should have gone on that long. I think it was like 36 or 37 minutes to be exact. Uh, 
Um, so I don't think it was that long. But throughout the match, I was very entertained. I like I could definitely I think they could have done a little bit better job with the cuts because you kind of knew where they took breaks in the match uh-huh. when they, you know, were just constantly going. There was some issues with the choking spot, some people said, but I didn't watch the Dark Side of Wrestling thing yet. So that was well, it, they, don't, they, they don't show any footage on the Dark Side. Of, they, they just describe it. This has all been all the news and everything that. When they found Chris Benoit, he had been he had been uh, he had uh, put put one of the, the had attached a certain amount of a number of weights to his weight bench, whatever it was uh, for the elliptical or something, and he took the cord, the cable that that controls the weightings, and had tied it around his neck and released the weight. So you know, I'm not gonna get into any more detail than that, but but people said it was reminiscent of the choke that Orton did to Edge. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a stretch. I think it's a stretch. I think it's, I think if, if it would if that episode had not come out, this wouldn't have been a factor. Exactly. So I, I don't I don't I don't I don't consider it one and the other. I think they're just two separate coincidental situations. I think that if that episode hadn't come out, they'd have done this spot either way. And, and I really liked the ending of Edge. You know, he didn't want the match to end. He's told the ref to stop counting and everything until he had Randy down with that concerto, like that for everything Randy did to his wife, did to him. I thought the ending and everything in this match led really well to it. So, you know, again, well done for on both of those guys' parts. And I got well, to see Edge in a WrestleMania match again. Like, that that right there was very beautiful. That was beautiful. Um, I love Orton. Whatever he could do, I, I'm with it. I just – I think this match is a little bit long. I didn't need to see the entire, you know, you know home buyers tour of the, of the Performance Center. Y'all could have cut a lot of that office stuff out. Uh, you know, y'all could have cut down half of that parking lot stuff. I, I really just needed to see the bare bones of this fight. I think it dragged on a little bit too long, especially for the fact of, of how up there Orton is getting and how Edge is still coming back. The fact that he has 40 minutes of win and so many younger guys don't, I think it reflects badly on the main roster in general. But, you know, it was a great match. It was entertaining. It's good to see Edge back at WrestleMania. I wish it had been in front of a crowd. I know that's what he really wanted. Of course. Um, I, hope this, I hope this isn't his last match in. I hope he does stay for a little while. Hopefully the, the global situation gets better so we can get back in front of a live crowd and have another match. I would um, I would really love for him to do something in SummerSlam. Like, you know, give him the time off, like make sure his body can you know handle everything he went through. And you no, know, hopefully SummerSlam or something down the line, we see Edge again. I don't need to see him every week. I don't need to see him every pay-per-view, but at least a couple times a year and I'll be very hundred percent. hundred percent. Hopefully, hopefully everything in the world is back to normal by then. We can only hope. Um Raw Tag Team Titles, Street Profits versus uh, Angel Garza and Austin Theory. Uh, I was a big fan of Austin Theory in the Indies. Uh, I followed him uh, where I could. Um, I saw his, um, the part of the Vice documentary, The Wrestler, about him. Uh, so I was excited when he finally got signed to NXT. Um, Austin Theory has been probably one of the biggest benefits of the global situation currently uh, because of the situation how a lot of the guys, especially the international guys, have been stuck not being able to be at the Performance Center where all the shows are being taped. He's gotten a prominent spot over the last couple of months. And then because of the situation uh, with people getting hurt and people being sick, uh, he got a WrestleMania match. He's gotten a WrestleMania match before he even gotten his his debut, and it wasn't even on, on the pre-show. 
I had no idea who Austin Theory was until uh, WrestleMania. Um, I didn't really pay attention uh, to Raw the last little while because of the crowd and those other things going on in my life. Um, but with that said, this match thoroughly entertained me. Um, had no issues with it. I thought that you know they went a good amount of time. It was under 10 minutes. Uh, it had a good high spot. Angel Garza constantly, constantly, constantly impresses me every time I watch him. He has a look. He has the skills. Time is nothing but a benefit to him because I think he's only going to keep getting better. And the Street Profits, I love the Street Profits. I think they did exactly what they were supposed to do tonight, uh, that night. And, you know, kudos to all those guys. No, it was, it was great. I have nothing, nothing negative to say whatsoever. It, I think it worked out perfectly. Uh, you know, it... it um, Angel Garza, I saw him um, at NXT for the um, Breakout Star Tournament, and he turned a lot of heads during that whole situation. Uh, they became a prominent role in NXT in the Cruiserweight division. Um, and then, you know, with the injury of Andrade, got to go up to the main roster and start doing some stuff there against his cousin. Um, and, and then Austin Theory, man, he never, he never appeared on Raw before WrestleMania. WrestleMania was his first time shown on a non-NXT show. Oh, okay. But prior to that, he had... Yeah, but prior to that, he had just got off a mat of singles matches um, that went 30 minutes against, you know, Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, he had went against Velveteen. He went against a lot of these top-name guys in NXT mm-hmm. just because of the fact that it was just necessary because there wasn't a lot of other guys that could compete. Um, and so, I mean, I know this probably isn't the WrestleMania moment that he wanted, being that there was no crowd and so on and so forth, but he should take solace in the fact that they said, you know what, we're giving it to you. We're going to put you in this because there's a lot of guys that could have put in there. You know, oh, yeah. and he and he can say and he can say, "Hey, man, I've competed on a WrestleMania. If nothing else comes of this at all." Oh yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. Um, it, it got me interested in him, and I'm definitely gonna be looking more into Austin Theory and Angel Garza because he's just fantastic. Well, just to let you know, Austin Theory, he's a young guy. Um, mm-hmm. His he names that um, watching John Cena is what got him. To want to be a professional wrestler, I just just a game tidbit there. Don't doubt that one bit. <laughs> uh, uh, let's breeze through this um, five-way women's elimination match for the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Um, everybody thought Sasha Banks would play a bigger factor against Bailey, but they teamed up the entire way, and and Banks even helped Bailey retain the title when it was down to uh, Bailey and uh, and Lacey Evans. What'd you think? Uh, Sasha versus Bailey needs to be in front of a crowd, so I was okay with this match. This was more of a filler, in my opinion. Uh, the match was good. Didn't really, don't really have much to say about it. I'm cool with it. Moving on. Um, I <laughs> like the reunion of Team Bad for a minute, um, and I like Tamina got a little shine. I just wish they would finally give Tamina the ball a little bit and let her run with it. Um, I, I personally like her miles more than I ever liked Nia Jax. I think Tamina could do just an amazing job. They just gave her full carte blanche to be a monster heel and not just bring her out once every seven months. If she, as long as she doesn't try to do the snooker splash, she's good because she can't do it right. And she doesn't get the yes. uh, horizontal enough. She doesn't get enough air. She doesn't do it like her dad did. So she needs to figure out something else, and they need to stop making her do it just because she's snooker's daughter. Well, with the with the episode of Dark Side of the Ring coming out about her dad's alleged murder, I thought they'd at least let her be in the final two of this thing. But you know, who knows? Yeah. Uh, finally, we get to talk about the fun part. Uh, how do you feel? How did you feel? Let me know the emotions you went through 
watching John Cena versus The Fiend Bray Wyatt in the first ever Firefly Funhouse match. All right. So I was worried that this match was going to be too much like the Boneyard match. Wow, was I pleasantly surprised the other way. I think that you have two people who know their characters. You have John Cena, who's not afraid to make himself look stupid as long as there's a reason behind it. The match, I, 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 was, I watched every second. I laughed. I was shocked. I, I didn't cry. But it was a great, great, great. I wouldn't call it a match, but it was definitely a great segment there. And it helped The Fiend even more and help Bray Wyatt get past the whole losing the Cena thing all those years ago. Because even I was thought that was definitely the wrong move, um, which was a, a long list of wrong moves to Cena's career, but definitely Bray Wyatt's at the top of that list. I'm 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 with you, man. I think and I, I'm gonna tell you this, a lot of a lot of a lot of fans, especially fans who are are regular fans, but not like, you know, nerds about it, not marks about it. Um, did not like this match because they didn't understand why it wasn't a wrestling match. Um, I will say this, and I and tell me if I'm wrong about this. If I'm wrong, completely call me out for it. But Krishna, I'm going to say this: me and you have been wrestling fans for so long and become so jaded and, and been peeked behind the curtain so much at this point that when you watch a pro wrestling match, right, you are either you are either one of three things: a it's so middle of the realm that you're just not really paying attention to it. B, it's so good that you can't help but keep your eyes glued to it. Or C, it is so bad and or so different that you are enamored by what the fuck you're watching. I am not a part of the so bad part. Like I don't, I can't watch something bad and be like, oh, I constantly have to see it because it's so bad. Um, no. I don't. I don't mean like like female wrestling, like Candice Michelle versus Maurice Botchfest, but like, how good do you really think a Shaq versus Big Show match would really be on a technical grid? As far as a technical masterpiece. Oh, it would have been terrible. But you'd have loved every second of it. Yeah, I probably would. And you'd have every second of it. So yeah, okay, I guess I'm in that last category. So uh, I'll say this then. Uh, it was so different. And because it took me so long to get my bearings on it, kind of like when you step on, like when, you, when you're at like a, like a theme park or a carnival and like the floor is moving, you have to step on like the moving walkway or something. Uh-huh. It took me so long to get my bearings on the thing that I was in, I, I was, that by the time I realized what I was watching, I was too far, I was too, I was in love with it too much. Uh-huh. Especially being that I'm, I'm a huge John Cena mark anyway. So they could do no wrong to me on there. And I'll say it once and I'll say it from the rooftops. John Cena in the NWO colors is the best thing I never knew I needed. <laughs> that part was great. And I loved John Cena coming out at the very beginning, coming out to no crowd and still doing his whole shit of you no know, pandering to the crowd, no crowd there. I love that. I, over the last couple of years, I've grown to love John Cena more. And him in the NWO colors, him wearing his old attire with the same stupid haircut that he has now. Hey, just everything about that match worked. 
And and I thought they were gonna lose me with the whole ruthless aggression, miss. Ruthless aggression, miss. I thought they were gonna lose me on that, but they didn't. And it was and I loved it just because it was so something so different. I, I so wasn't expecting of it. It it was it was a it was a different kind of excitement than the Boneyard match was. And as I as I put on, on social media, I felt like the Boneyard match was the Avengers. It was a big budget blockbuster that everybody's gonna love and is gonna be remembered to the end of time. But you know, the the art piece movie. Is it is it is an indie that nobody sees or understands but wins all the awards. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And, and so I'm 100% cool with that. 100%. If, if you liked it, you liked it. If you didn't, you didn't. I appreciated it. It hit all the notes I wanted to hit. Even seeing old Bray Wyatt reminded me how much I missed the old Bray Wyatt before they squashed him. Oh, I love that part. And and I think and I, I'm just excited to see a picture of John Cena with his eyes crossed out on the wall of the Firefly Funhouse. Uh, I mean, especially the uh, the part where the Vince puppet screamed out the, the good shit. <laughs> it was absolutely uh, right. I've never agreed with that uh, until now. And and the fact that what they had on the door, the nod to Dante's Inferno, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, abandon all hope, ye who, and it's in the gates of hell, it's ye who enter here, and on the front house is ye who exit here, and they have been careful of not using that door until this exact match, and I appreciate that. Oh yeah, definitely, because it's only been Braun who's been coming, oh, not Braun, Ray who's been coming through there, so I mean, I think they did yeah. that part perfectly. So I appreciate it. People aren't going to like it. Some people aren't going to understand it. But for a guy who loves something so different and a guy who loves John Cena and Bray Wyatt, it hit it, it all, all the notes for me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 100 cool with it. Oh, 100% cool with it. All right. Um, so to wrap this up real quick, um, give me your thoughts on the WWE Championship match, Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre. I honestly didn't really care for the match um I, I it I didn't care for the Brock Lesnar Drew McIntyre uh build I didn't care for the idea for the match so going into it I was whatever short match exactly what I thought I did think that they could have gone a little bit longer with it but not going to complain it is what it is and Drew McIntyre's Drew McIntyre is a champion so I'm okay with it I'm okay with two. I really think I, I'm not sure how the how the rearranging of this night should have gone, and I'm not even saying that putting Drew and Brock at the end of the show was a bad idea. I just think that it should have been a lot further away from the Firefly Funhouse. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people were still trying to get their bearings on what they were watching during the beginning of this title match. Oh yeah, because right, right right before this, you had Tyus O'Neill with that like I. I, I don't even know. Like, so, you know, you still need to process all of that. So I think if you yep, put so. the, Fire High, the Firefly Funhouse before maybe the Street Profits match, it would have been a better thing because then that match would have taken you out of it a little bit. But, man, still, I'm okay. No, I, I, I think it should have went Raw Tag Team title match, Firefly Funhouse, Women's Elimination Five-Way, and then the WWE Championship only because – the women's five-way ran so long, not bad long, just longer than than most of the matches that night. Uh, then I think it should have been then it should have been the, the WWE Championship match after that, just because it it went so quickly that I think it would have been like you know a quick 
little, oh, oh, wow, okay, well, damn, you know, and it had been a lot better than people, everybody on their keyboards and phones writing about the Firefly Funhouse during this match, and I bet money that a lot of people had to go back and rewatch this match to remember it even happened. Yeah, I, I agree with that statement 100%. Uh, it's a very vague memory in my mind. The one thing I really remember the most is the final shot of Drew McIntyre with the title. Like, I barely – I remember maybe one F5 out of this match. I'm just glad he didn't do the counting thing. That's the one thing I hated the most with Drew McIntyre is the counting thing he does before the his finisher. So, that's, that's my take on it. He really didn't have time to do all that, but – uh, overall, uh, I, I think night two ran a lot better than night one. Call it the pacing. Call it just the matches they chose for that night. Night two seemed a little bit smoother. Um, uh, overall, man, you know, where does this rank in, in your WrestleManias, or is it just on a completely different scale completely? I, I think when we look back at it, we, you know, we're going to have to look back at the overall everything going on in the world. And you're going to have to remember that this was a time when things were just different and things had to be done different in order to keep, you know, WWE going. And we're going to look back at this and at least they tried. Because that was my thing. I wanted them to try to give me something entertaining. Just don't stick to the normal shit every single second. And it, it actually worked out. I mean, yes, the fire... Fly Funhouse and the Boneyard match were the cinematic different major things that I wanted but even the wrestlers you could see they were trying to change up things in order to make it come across TV better as opposed to normally making it come across the crowd better so you know I think everyone did a good job and I think the mania you know will go down as a very strange mania not one of the best but definitely not one of the worst I agree with you a hundred percent. Definitely. Definitely been worse. Definitely been better, but it's all the situations of what you put it in. Um, I don't think this mania would have been, I don't think it would have jumped up the rankings if it would have been in front of a live crowd, just because the best matches on either night were cinematic stuff done that you wouldn't have heard crowd noise anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Last question. Then before we wrap this up, then will be um, your favorite mania of all time. Favorite mania of all time. I am a sucker for 24 because it was here in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And you had Shawn Michaels versus uh, Ric Flair on it. And Edge versus Taker. So that one is a little bit of my soft spot. But it's still going to go to WrestleMania 6. Because I've watched that WrestleMania over and over again since I was a kid. And I still think Hogan Warrior is one of the best matches ever. Uh, let's see. Uh, if I got to go with one. Uh, I mean, when you look back on things and the greatness and the Hall of Famers that were involved in it, it's hard to fight against WrestleMania 18. Uh, match match quality wise, I got to give it. I got to give it to 21 because mm-hmm. you had. You know, Eddie versus Ray, Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels, um, John Cena and Batista both coming into their own, becoming champions. Uh, you know, uh, I got to think of all the other matches that were on that card. Um, Taker versus Randy Orton. It, it, it was it was the passing of the torch WrestleMania a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but personally, me, a little bit because I went to it in Miami, I might have to give it to WrestleMania 28 uh, with uh, Cena versus Hogan 1. 
I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I thought Cena versus Rock won. Uh, you know, and then you had you know CM Punk versus Chris Jericho. Uh, you you had uh, end of an era hell in a cell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so I mean, I was there uh, for that one. Rock versus Cena wasn't all that good, but it wasn't about. But it's one of also ones kind of like the whole Rock and Hogan thing, where technically it might not have been a masterpiece, but you can't tell me that crowd wasn't electric. No, the crowd, I mean, yeah, the crowd was absolutely electric. I just, you know, I'm the jaded fan. I can't stand The Rock when he's on the WWE television. So the fact that he won't. I can't either. I, hate, I, hate, I can't I either. <laughs> but, but, I, but I can't argue the fact of that, that that the energy was palpable during that match from when when they had the musical performances and everybody was coming out. It, it, was, it, felt, it felt big. Yeah, that WrestleMania did have a very, very good feeling to it, especially being there. It definitely had a great feeling to it. But I'm, I'm gonna have to go. With, I'm gonna go with 21. 21 is probably one of the few WrestleManias, the first ever Money in the Bank ladder match. One of the few manias I can legitimately watch from beginning to end at any point in time. Oh yeah, I'll definitely give you that. Just like you said, it was a very passing of the torch between the older era and the newer era. Because out of that, you had you no know, Randy Orton, Batista, John Cena, three of the biggest names of that you no know, ruthless aggression reality era of wrestling. Mm, so uh, I'm with 100. percent Yeah. But hey, thanks for joining us. I hope you liked us. Uh, We had the same crowd that WrestleMania did, so it all worked out. Absolutely. (laughs) Anything else you want to say, Christian? Uh, Nope, that's it. Hope everybody's staying safe. That's about it.